Thanks for tuning in to the Ecclesia podcast. We are a group of people committed to proclaiming the words and doing the works of Jesus and his kingdom. And these podcast episodes are conversations we're having in our community. You can join the conversation by engaging on all the typical social medias and by joining us Sunday mornings at 11. Thanks for listening. Um, how many of you all in this room or at home, you can raise your hands or not, um, but how many of you have had like a mountaintop experience? Um, maybe you know what I'm talking about. These are the things that like camp, youth camp is like made for, right? Like you go to youth camp, you get your mountaintop experience and it's like supposed to like carry you through until next summer when you have another mountaintop experience and then it carries you through the next summer and you just cycle over and over again, right? Um, Maybe that's a little cynical of me, but I have 100% had a mountaintop experience at youth camp. So I get to be a little cynical if I want to. (laughs) Um, so when we talk about mountaintop experiences for those who maybe aren't familiar with what I'm talking about or maybe grew up in a tradition where that wasn't something that was talked about um, it's like this moment that that you you heard God's voice so clearly that it changed you and maybe it was like an audible voice that you heard or this really strong feeling of presence Or maybe it was an actual infilling of the Holy Spirit, but it's this moment and you just, it, it, it changes you. It transforms you, right? You have this powerful encounter. And generally when we talk about this, we talk about it as a mountaintop experience. But what I find really interesting, I've had a few of these in my lifetime, but the one that stands out the most that it was the most real, the most powerful encounter that I've had with God didn't happen on a mountaintop. It didn't happen at a youth camp. It happened in a hospital bed, waking up from brain surgery. But that's not really what we know mountaintop experiences to be, right? We, we have been told that these are transformational experiences that happen when we're up here, on a high, at the best moments of our lives. And, and I have been, the narrative that I have been taught, and maybe some of you can relate to this, is that like these are the moments that Christians are supposed to seek and to run after, right? It's like what the whole thing is about, encountering the presence of God and allowing it to transform us. So we run after these transformational mountaintop experiences for God. Yes, but I'm going to be very real with you guys today. In light of all that is happening in this world right now, I can't see any good in a mountaintop experience in the midst of the suffering that lies around us and before us. What's the purpose of chasing after an encounter with God when there are folks dying, people are being further marginalized, and fear is so close that you can taste it in the air? Today we're talking about the transfiguration of Jesus. It's Transfiguration Sunday on the church calendar. This is Jesus' own mountaintop experience, if you will. And I think maybe Jesus has something to teach us from his encounter on the mountain. So I'm going to read the Luke passage and say a few things. Um, And then uh, just to prep you guys, we're going to end in like, some prayer this morning. That's how we're going to end the service. We'll, we'll have a, a prayer time and then we'll take communion. And so that's going to be our, our service this morning. 
So Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they, were, they, were, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent in those days and told no, told no one any of the things that they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He's my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. Let's pray. God, I pray that your words will speak to us this morning. Thank you for this gift of your word. Let us now listen to the words that you have for us. Amen. So if you notice in this passage, it starts with now about eight days after these sayings. So it might be important to know what Jesus said before this, because I think, and I know actually, it's important information. So right, right before this, eight days apparently, because Luke is precise in his descriptions, um, we know that uh, Jesus has just told his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to die. That is what he has told his disciples just before this encounter has happened. And Peter has his, like, get behind me Satan moment, and then Jesus rebukes him and all those things. Um, So we know that Jesus, for the first time, has told his disciples what his journey actually is. And it's not the triumphal entry that they thought it was, or the overthrowing of the Roman government, of the oppression that they have been suffering, but it's actually his journey is to death. So this comes right at the end of Jesus' Galilean ministry, and now we move to his journey into Jerusalem. And I say this is important because it's almost as if Jesus knows he needs to encounter God before he begins the next phase of his journey. See, he isn't going to God for like some experience, some spiritual high, or to make himself feel good. He's going to God because he spent And he needs God to remind him who he is. And so he takes his besties and he goes up to the mountain to pray. And God, like, really shows up. Like, really shows up. And he brings some friends with him. 
Um, and we know from Luke's passage, he's the only one who outright says that Elijah and Moses are there to talk to Jesus about his coming journey and final destination. So I wonder if they're there for comfort, maybe for counsel. Um, we don't know, but they're there as representations of the law and the prophets and the fulfillment in Jesus. And God's presence is so powerful that it transforms Jesus' appearance. And God's presence descends like a cloud. So this is real, tangible presence and encounter. And James, John, and Peter don't know what to do. And bless Peter, I love him so much. He's just like, wait, wait, there's a mysterious presence of God amongst us. So let's make booths to like contain this presence so that we can like, what's going on here? I don't know, but let's like organize it in a way that makes sense to me. I don't know if who else could relate to that. But before they can actually really process and fathom what has happened, what they have encountered, it's over. And Jesus looks like his normal self. And in that very moment of presence and mystery, suffering is occurring at the bottom of the mountain. There's this art, um, I tried to find it to put it up on the screen, but uh, anyway, technology. But there's this, um, Raphael did a painting called The Transfiguration, and you, in, in it you have Jesus on the mountain with, with the besties, and Elijah and Moses, and like this present is all light. But underneath it, he has the, um, in like darker colors and darker imagery, this this um, the disciples with the Father and the Son attempting to bring freedom to this boy and they're unable to do it. And there's this like juxtaposition of this like light happening up on top and underneath there's this like darkness of struggle and suffering uh, at the bottom of the mountain. And it's a beautiful image. And look it up. You can just transfiguration by Raphael. It's beautiful. But notice what Jesus does not do. He doesn't stay on the mountain waiting for another experience from God, another spiritual high. No, Jesus, having been transformed by his encounter with God, goes down the mountain to meet the suffering. And he's able to heal the suffering. He brings freedom to an oppressed family because God meets the people where they are in the suffering. Jesus went to the mountain to find God's presence to take him down the hard road to death. Yes, Jesus went on top of a mountain, but what he was going was for, in the midst of his own suffering, in the midst of his own need, because Jesus had nothing left within himself to continue the journey, and he needed to remember. At the beginning, I talked about when I felt the strongest presence of God was not on a mountaintop, right? It was in a hospital bed. Because at that moment, I had nothing left. I was spent in that moment. (laughs) And many moments after that. And God met me right there. See, the church does this thing where um, we experience a good thing, a God thing, 
And then just like Peter, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to package this. We got to figure out how to put this mysterious presence of God into a box and replicate it over and over and over again. So we have like, if the lights are just right and we set the fog machine at just the right moment during the worship song with the perfect chord progression and key change right at the right moment, if we say this exact prayer over and over and over again, like God's going to show up every time because we've formulated a way to control the mystery of God. Do you hear the nonsense in that? Control the mystery of God? Can we really do that? (laughs) But we do it because we want to experience that power of God again, right? It's not bad. It's just misguided. (laughs) And if that's our focus, if our focus is just to experience God again so that we can feel good, we've completely missed out. Because the truth is, is that God's presence is in all of it. And we usually miss it because we're too busy moving on to the next thing or relying on our own strength or depending on that formula that, formula that we've worked out. And that's not what we see Jesus do. We see Jesus powerfully encounter God in his most vulnerable moment and then go back to the suffering to share it with them. Bud reminded me of a song lyric this week by Johnny Cash um, that says, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I think it's applicable (laughs) here. If all we focus on is this like next experience, we're missing the truth of God and we're avoiding the suffering around us. I don't know about you all, but I'm spent. This has been a hard week. I'm at the end of myself. There's been an unnecessary invasion into Ukraine, and it brings me so much grief. I I had to just turn off social media this week because it was too much. The videos of the parents leaving their children to fight in this unnecessary war. This week, also, um, new laws were put into place in Texas and in Florida that further marginalize our trans and LGBTQ siblings. And I just found myself, as I read through all of this heartbreaking news, Lord, where is your justice? Where's your peace? Where are you? Where are you? And what the heck am I supposed to do? Because it feels like too much. It feels like too much. But we know from Jesus' transfiguration, from his mountaintop experience, that God meets us when we're spent. God reminds us of who we are and what we're called and empowered to do as the people of God. So I actually want us to um, invite us into prayer this morning. That's, this, this is where we're going to end today. This is where we're going to land um, with the sermon. So um, I'm going to kind of say this prayer that came to me this week. And then we'll turn off the recording and we'll just sit in a time of prayer together. So, 
I want us to pray for real transforming encounter of the risen Christ that leads us to stand with our oppressed LGBTQA plus siblings in Texas and in Florida. I want us to pray for transformational encounter that causes the leaders in Russia and Ukraine and all the superpowers to lay down their arms and find a way to move forward in true shalom. I want transformational encounter that will lead us into action and expand our prophetic imagination for nonviolent resistance. A transforming encounter that will lead us into the suffering as agents of hope to do the work of God's kingdom in our city, in Chattanooga. So let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the Ecclesia podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Join the conversation by engaging on all the typical social medias and by joining us Sunday mornings at 11. Peace and love to you all.